Yes, of course, it is us again, Masters. It is another weekly roundup with Alex. I am Dan. And uh, this week we're partying like it's 1993. Oh boy. We recently went to The View and we watched Jurassic Park on the big screen. Now, the reason being we're going to be covering this film off, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is because um, it's an absolute classic. It's got some fantastic um, talent in there, but they're celebrating 25 years anniversary since it obviously came out. If you do your maths, it does work out. It's legit. doesn't feel that long ago I watched this at the cinema as a kid. See, I, I didn't see it at the cinema, so we're going to come from two different perspectives. But nonetheless, stick with us. If you have seen it, then... Um, It'd be interesting to get your views actually on, you know, some nostalgia, your thoughts as, a, I guess, as a, um, you know, uh, a viewer growing up, or perhaps if you've seen it recently, whether you or your thoughts align to what ours is. But this this episode is really going to be a very quick and dirty kind of recap on the plot. Um, we're going to then be talking about, you know, has our thoughts and feelings changed on the film, either in terms of what we remember, either in terms of, you know, have the, our favourite characters changed, and really, for me, the most important part, which is really whether or not this cuts the mustard, does it still stack up as a film, a decent film, 25 years on? And it's, it's a timeless classic. You know, it's a brilliant film. I still love it now, 25 years on. And uh, it must be said, when the uh, the film started and it had the, uh, the original, you know... Um, the old Universal. Yeah, that's it, Universal, uh, you know, credit scrolling again. I was getting goosebumps. I turned to Dan and said, yes, it's happening. He was like banging me on the leg. He was like, Dan, look, 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 look it's happening. Um, <laughs> but look, for those, for those people who haven't seen this anti-paleontologist classic, um, because there are some people out there, because um, I do radio and one of my co-presenters, I mean, she's 18, Georgia, if you're listening, Georgia, this is your homework, but Georgia hasn't seen it. What? And um, I mean, I'm not terribly pleased about this. Um, but unless she's going to make that right. But there are people perhaps who haven't seen it. So um, very quickly, Dan, for people who haven't perhaps partook in watching this, this amazing film, what's, what's it all about? So we're, it's, it's about bringing dinosaurs back to life. A bit dangerous, I think, in, in the modern day, when you think about it. <clears throat> a bit misguided. Uh, yeah, and it's about trying to set up a theme park to essentially put these dinosaurs on display. And you think these creatures roam the roam the world at one stage long before us, and can we coexist with, the, with these dinosaurs in a park? Um, yeah. So effectively, um, it's all about yeah how a a theme park uh, multi-millionaire decides to get his hands on some old um, Jurassic era DNA, builds this park up with actual dinosaurs. Yeah. And um, before it's opened. Wants to get some people in to have a butcher's, give their thoughts and feelings, uh, but ultimately, hopefully, sign off in the park before then they open their doors and let the viewing public. He basically wants that endorsement to, to open it to the public. He does. Um, now, the key thing is here, it never actually opens. I mean, look, this shouldn't be a spoiler alert, but spoiler alert. Um, it never actually opens because um, things go a little bit bad. Um, oh, it's terrible. To say the it's least. It's terrible. Um, dinosaurs are, are, are flying around rampant. People are getting eaten left, right and centre. And um, 
I think most of the, uh, if not all of the cast are either eaten or they manage to get away just by the skin of their teeth. All because of Dennis Nedry, when you think about it. Bloody Nedry. Bloody Nedry. Um, so you go to a point where, at the start of the film, where he's like, he's talking to someone. Dancing. 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 Dancing here. Dancing. Dancing. We've got Dancing here. And Dancing's like, you need to get this Jurassic DNA and whatever their plans are for it. We don't really know. Dennis turns all the security off in the park. Power goes off. And obviously the T-Rex escapes and causes havoc. Yeah, they've got a T-Rex, ladies and gentlemen. They have. Um, King I think of the Dinosaurs. King of the Dinosaurs. And for me, um, it's, it's one of the best simple kind of... It's, it's, it's not really a horror, it's a thriller, would you say? Yeah, I mean... you. Sort of get that bit of horror at the start of the film where you've got the raptors in the that sort of cage and yeah, as the film opens, it's all kicking <laughs> off and this poor security bloke's getting dragged in and it's basically Velociraptor meat. Yeah, ladies it's, and gentlemen, it's breakfast. Um, but it's it's one of the best best original kind of thrillers, uh, Spielberg film, um, and uh, it's a John Williams uh, orchestral support and it's it's absolutely phenomenal, but. Enough about the plot. If you haven't seen it, well, tough luck because we're not going to be talking about it. Um, just take it on our, our word that you should be watching that film because um, it is an absolute classic. But I was more interested, Dan, in terms of bits that you don't quite remember because there's a couple of times, I think, throughout the screening that we turned to each other and said, we don't, I don't remember this bit. Yeah, there were like bits that I th- think might have been cut out, but then I don't know. I'm not sure, but there was a bit where the lawyer's going through... Like the mines and the the guys are sort of digging out this amber with the mos- mos- mosquitoes in. It's a it's a Colombian jungle, I think. Yeah. And um, he's on a raft and he's all dressed up in a suit and everyone else is you know um, in the proper gear for mining. And effectively gives the introduction um, to Martin Ferrero's Gennaro, who is um, this is a really boring concept now as an adult. You actually know what they're talking about, but he he effectively is a, a lawyer. A legal representative for the insurance uh, of the park, uh, for Hammond's Park, which is played by Rich Attenborough, and um, he's there to to kind of understand how the park was created. Does it pose a risk to the public? Is it a good investment? Which is a really boring concept to a child when you're watching this for the first yeah. time. I mean, when I saw it, I think I saw it on tape. I must have been eight or nine, um, I think. And that just went straight over my head. So perhaps that's why yeah. we don't remember it because the only meaningful part of that scene for me was when they, they had the amber. Yeah. And, and this bloke is showing him around the mine. And says, this is what we're here for. And he picks up this boulder, chips away, and there's this, this, this bit of amber with uh, this perfectly placed mosquito. And of course, as we know, it's quite important for capturing dino DNA, apparently. And he's also talking about lawsuits because of the bloke that's just been eaten by a velociraptor yes correct yeah yeah but I, I we we looked at each other and said oh, I don't recall this bit and I think perhaps it just as a as a child you don't need to know that stuff you just want to go and see you just want to see the dinosaur you don't want to know about the boring insurance stuff do you no so I think that's why we don't remember it but that certainly was one one particular scene and were there any other ones you couldn't recall Dan? That was it for me. That was the main one. I mean, for me, 
the, the what I couldn't quite recall, and again, I'm, perhaps it's um, you know because I wasn't paying attention or because I didn't really understand the whole plot thread. But the storm's coming in now. Yes. I know the storm in its own right is a character, as it as it should well be, because it does wreak havoc upon the park. That's why everything goes a bit wrong because you know um, it's dark, it's stormy, adds to to the thrill thrill of the event. Um, you know the danger. You can't see anything. It's dark. It's the lightning flashes. It's 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 a perfect set piece for a horror film. But the only reason why the death toll was so minimal was because they put people on boats and shipped them off the island. Yeah, Jot, that is another point actually, because everyone's like, because wasn't it Samuel Jackson's on the phone? You all need to get on the boat. In the, the storm's minutes. rolling in, you need to leave. But. As as a child watching this, and I I'm, I think I must have seen it once or twice since as I was growing up, that still kind of was lost on me. It's such a minute detail, isn't it? But it's so important because actually, if you think about it, the cast then shrinks down from what could have been you know hundreds of extras, which it is in the Jurassic World films, now to just a dozen at, at best. Um, and that's why for me, I think it's it's so clever because it's such an easy way to make sure you've got the focus on the character and on the key characters and make it more meaningful that someone, when someone does bite the dust yeah. or gets bitten and, and torn to shreds by a Velociraptor or T-Rex, you care about them. Yeah, It's so easy, as you do in Jurassic World, just to have a random running around the park getting picked off by, um, by a pterodactyl. But if you've invested in this key character because they're one of ten and they get eaten, well then... That's that's quite impactful to to the storyline. So I don't recall that, but actually it's a very very clever um, mechanic of the film, and yeah, that's why you've only got a handful of people actually on the screen because everyone else seemingly has been told to bugger off. Yeah, I think that's it's an interesting concept because now we're a lot older and now we watch films, we sort of invest more of our time into the characters. So actually watching it now, and you're sort of investing yourself into Doctor Grant, Ellie Sadler. Jeff Goldblum's character, etc. Actually, they become a bit more meaningful. Even more so. Which is interesting. Which, I think if we're talking about characters, Dan, um, I know I had some favourite characters as I was growing up, and I've, I've seen the films. But I'm interested, now that you've perhaps got some more jaded eyes watching it uh, <laughs> as an adult, supposed adult, because yeah. I don't profess to be one. Apparently I am now on my legal documents um, by age. Um not by mental age. Um, what has that, has your perception changed of what is now a favourite character, or the way in which they come across, perhaps when you saw it before? Yes, um, I think I know you'll probably touch on Doctor Malcolm because we spoke about this after the cinema. So I'll leave that one. Okay, and we can talk about that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Doctor Grant, I mean, I loved him as a kid, and I like him now. And it's interesting to see his character development. So he's sort of very anti-kids and you sort of see him almost torment that kid at the start with the Velociraptor claw and he's like yeah. slicing across the belly and he might slash you here. He slashes at you here or here. Or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. The point is, you are alive. They start to eat you. So you know, try to show a little respect. And well, even in the park where they're getting into the autonomous vehicles, and um, 
the little boy. Tim. Tim. Timmy. It's always a Timmy, isn't it, that gets stuck down <laughs> a well or chased by a T-Rex. But poor Timmy. Timmy's, Timmy's met his childhood hero. He's read all of Dr. Grant's books. And he, <laughs> Dr. Grant says, what car are you going to be in? He says, oh, well, whatever one you're going to be in. And he ends up doing this chase around the vehicles, jumping in and out of cars. <laughs> and he really does want to avoid children as actively as possible um, because he doesn't doesn't like the little critters. Yeah, and he's got his girlfriend, Ellie Sadler, who you can see is very broody. And she wants kids. And he's just like, nah, I don't want him. I don't like him. And I, then, like, I like my bones. As you sort of go through the film and when you get all the disasters and he's got to look after Tim and Lex, he sort of becomes a bit more compassionate about these kids. Yeah. He's like, he, I need to look after them. He does take more of a fatherly role and you can see how that relationship forms and how he takes um, ultimate ownership of, of their well-being in what is quite a stressful situation. Yeah. Um, being in a park that's gone um, a bit pitong. So, uh, yeah, that's... I mean, do, do you remember it like that or do you now appreciate it as you're old and looking back about just how far that character comes in such a short amount of time. I think I appreciate it more now Now I'm older because actually watching it and you see that character development sort of go on as as the film sort of goes on. Yeah. You, I didn't, you don't realise that when you're younger. You don't, don't see that, oh, he doesn't like kids. No. But actually now as a as a 30, nearly 33-year-old man, you sort of see that now. You're like, oh, yeah, I get it now. He doesn't like kids and then actually he sort of begins to grow on them and... Well, to the point in the in the closing scenes, the kids are. I mean, I don't know how you could do this, but they're they're all sleeping on him. Yeah. One child either side of him. Everyone's smiling at him like, okay, yeah, you know, you're a bit of a hypocrite, but now you like kids. But the the, the bit for me is okay. Yes, yeah, he he's gone come you know a total one eighty on the on the stance. Just to take a second. You've been literally chased off an island full of dinosaurs that wanted to kill you. You're still not off the island, you're flying off it, and you manage to fall asleep on an, in a helicopter. One of the most riskiest forms of transport known to man, <laughs> especially in the 90s. How can you get 40 winks? That's yeah, what that's... I want to know. But anyway, we're not here to pick pick apart the film. Uh, we're here to talk about favourite characters. And for mine, I have two. Oh, okay. And they have changed. So when I first watched it, um, Muldoon, oh, who the is old. the park keeper, played by Bob Peck. Now, you're first introduced to Muldoon... Um, who's directing um, individuals around uh, in terms of bringing this cage into the park, into into a compound. Ah, oh, that notorious bit at the beginning. Which is what you mentioned, where a man gets chewed up and, and made as Velociraptor. I mean, it's breakfast. so horrific. I mean, it's, it feels like a horror film, just that opening sequence. It really does. Um, and and as, as a child watching it, I'm always thinking, uh, he's the baddie, because he ends up wanting to kill the dinosaurs. He's yeah. got the gun. He... He's got this gruff kind of exterior, you know. He is the gamekeeper kind of kind of character. But watching it back now, he actually doesn't do anything wrong. And what I mean by that is, he tries to keep everyone safe. So okay, right, yeah. So if you look past the kind of twenty eighteen um, equal rights for dinosaurs kind of ethic here, you shouldn't be doing it, and it's wrong, and bringing things back when you know from the dead when they've been become extinct. If you look look at all the ethical side, he's only there to help to protect the people that are working there. And he he try every time that something goes wrong, he's always there to help out and support. He's never right. I'm going to go and get my Spaz twelve shotgun. I'm going to go and shoot some dinosaurs. Yeah. He's only there to protect um, 
Ellie when she has to go to the to, to the um, the electrical outhouse to, yep. to throw the, the breakers. He takes one for the team. Eventually, he sees his demise, where he talks about, "Are oh, you clever girl?" And the raptor jumps out on him, and and, and that's really quite that's, that and um, um, Gennaro's ending are the two most graphic yeah. killings I think, because you actually see part of Bob Peck being torn to shreds in in the uh, the undergrowth in the, in the jungle. But anyway, um, all things aside, he doesn't do anything wrong. And so I'm looking back at it now, I'm thinking. Well, he, he, he continuously put himself in a line of fire in the in the jawline of, of dinosaurs to, to help protect other people. Yeah. And my stance on the character has totally turned around to actually he's a great character, he's supporting you know, the, the other other individuals in that situation. And um, yeah, it's it's an untimely end. I mean, it's in that opening sequence as well, when the poor bloke's going to be raptor food. He's going, shoot her, shoot her. Shoot her! Shoot her! And he, you know, he's grabbing onto the, to, to the man for dear life. He doesn't want to see one of his, his colleagues obviously get get made into to dino food. And um, I think there's there's a lot of compassion there, looking back, that I, I overlooked as a child. So for me... Um, a massive, massive shout out to to Muldoon because I think he's a he's a quality character. Um, uh, we we need to talk about Malcolm, Doctor Malcolm. We do, Doctor Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum. There's plenty of memes out there, and for good reason, he is an absolute joy, an um, absolute babe. Do, <laughs> <laughs> uh, perhaps we can have a whole podcast and just why we 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 value dan's comment like that um perhaps a little bit later on can we do that can we have a podcast about jeff goldblum why not uh, let's do it down the, down the line he's got a really interesting career so um well we can cover off that um that fantastic actor but um this what, is this what, is one for you this is something we spoke about at the end wasn't it um leaving the cinema we we're like well actually we appreciate dr malcolm because as a kid you're watching this like why why is he not condoning this act of bringing dinosaurs back to life because Richard, Richard Attenborough's Hammond, um, he's always saying, "Oh, you're annoying," or you know, "You're a renegade," and he's always almost talking down to, to Dr. Ian Malcolm as this annoying um, representative who needs who needs to be there. He's almost seen as a a must-have, but he's not really welcome. And as a child, influence, I'm thinking, well, if the father figure, the grandfather of Jurassic Park. Hammond is saying he's annoying. He's annoying, so therefore I'm getting on the gravy train and, yeah. and hating upon him. But actually, if you look back and actually listen to what he says, again, he's not saying anything wrong. There's lots of logic and there's lots of sound arguments behind everything that he says. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you, you sort of see him go up, get onto the island with everyone and you can see his mind is blown. And then he's starting to process that information and actually he's like, this is wrong. How can we as humans coexist with these dinosaurs? This is a dangerous game. You're playing a dangerous game. You're putting us in the firing line of something that's extinct. Nature chose dinosaurs to be extinct, is essentially what he's saying. And there's a there's a fantastic scene just to, to round that one off, um, where they're uh, when they're in the um, the autonomous car, oh. and um, Ellie, Grant, and Malcolm all talking about um, people become extinct. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs 
eat man, woman inherits the earth. And uh, I think for me that, that sums it up, you know, very philosophical, but ultimately he comes to the conclusion that you can't control things that are ultimately chaotic. And they've created dinosaurs from toad DNA, so he's already yep. going to be a bit pitong. And if you throw in there, you know, something that should have long been extinct and throw humans into the mix, you're going to have a bit of a rough time. He also mentions as well that there would have they would eventually sort of evolve to do things that they probably shouldn't like the dinosaurs are all supposed to be female but actually because of that darn toe DNA they're laying eggs everywhere well they're growing penises and by Jove they are reproducing and you see Dr. Grant see these eggs a bit later on after that notorious car scene which we'll get onto our favourite scenes in a minute yeah. and he's like oh Malcolm was right and he is and Apart from being a little bit more playful with Grant in terms of his relationship with Ellie and saying, you know, he's going to crack on onto his missus. Because never, they never actually say they're together. There's always a suggestion that as, as the film goes on, they, they, they are clearly together. They never actually say whether they are or not. So to be fair to Dr. Ian Malcolm, he's just testing the waters because yeah. Ellie's a catch in the paleontology scientific world. So why would you not want to, you know see if she is you know it's a, it's a free agent and there's a bit of playful banter there um but again he doesn't overstep the mark he's a gentleman um he talks a lot of sense and for me i'm now appreciating jeff goldblum's character more if i actually process and understand what he's talking about he's warning all the way from the beginning to the end which is kind of well guys i told you so like i've forgotten what what part of his anatomy has been you know, injured or hurt, but he's he's in bits by the end. He's yeah. literally all bandaged up. He's like, look, guys, I told you this was going to happen. You didn't listen to me, and lo and behold, we've got people being, you know, decapitated and, and eaten left, right, and centre. And you see that character and all these memories sort of come across when you watch The Lost World, and then now when you watch the the second instalment of Jurassic World. Yeah, of course, which he features in. Uh, when he's given um, some testimonials in, uh, in some kind of in international court. Yeah. Yeah. It's favourite scenes. Um, <clears throat> what was yours growing up and has it changed now? No. No. It has not changed, but they've become even more richer. So the first one is a bit of a gory one, uh, Rasta. Uh, the Dilophosaurus. Dilophosaurus? Yeah. The, um, the, the lovable critter who uh, is chasing Wayne Knight around. Uh, which is played, which is Nedry, the character, played by Wayne Knight. Um, now Nedry is is there to take the dinosaur DNA out of the park. He's going to sell it um, to to whoever that that guy was at the beginning of the film. Dodson. 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 We've got Dodson here. And um, he's he's scrambling around the mud. He's fallen over. His glasses are, are steamed up. He's lost them. He's broken. He's trying to get back to the jeep to drive to to the dock. And then he hears this this sound. And this sound ends up being a Dilophosaurus or Dilophosaurus. And eventually anyway, it ends up being being you know, his his ending. It ends up oh, eating him in the car. The big sort of flare up when it's like thin things that yeah, fly yeah, yeah. out and it's screeching at him. Oh it's horrific. But that's that for me is the the the, the first real part of the 
the third kind of act of the film it's the horror yeah so the first part of the film is um the setup it's the the awe it's the amazement it's the look what we've done the second is all things go a little bit wrong the storm's rolling in the whole kind of um for want of a better term corporate espionage is happening with Nedry he's off stealing jeans power's going off and dinosaurs start to go rampant and the last part of the film for me is the horror and Nedry's end marks the beginning of the end of the film and the true horror parts of, of this film and um, for me it's, it's still one of the most favourite ones because it's you don't see it coming no. you see this this lovable, almost lovable, small dinosaur. You're thinking, no, nothing's going to happen to him. He may get you know, chased, but otherwise he's fine. He's going to get off to the dock and he's going to escape the island. No, no. the fins come out. It's, it squeals, screeches in his face. And then spits a load of green gunk at his face. And then um, he gets ultimately joined by his friends and eaten. And so. then you see that canister fall out of his pocket, roll down the rocks, and it gets covered in mud. And then that's the end of the scene. So for me... It was one of my favourites because you. It sounds terrible now, but you see, you see quite a, you know, you see the end of a character that's not supposed to be nice. He gets his comeuppance, and you get to see a dinosaur in action. And I think for me, you still get that payoff. So um, it's only been enriched as I look back at it with, with uh, with um, older adult eyes. Yeah. But how about you, Dan? What's what's uh, what are yours? Have they changed at all? No, do you know what? mine hasn't, and uh, I'm going to go to the T-Rex and the cars. Good choice. When the, when the power goes off, and I love this sequence as a film, and now processing that now as an adult, it's that build-up to those horror scenes Tense. that we get. You get that suspense, so the, the cars have stopped, there's no power, and the goat has disappeared. So if you haven't seen the film, um, when they go around the park, you don't see any of these dinosaurs, ladies and gentlemen, they're like, oh, this is a bit... Pants. This is a washout. What kind of park is this? We'll try and draw the T-Rex out and we'll put a goat in, it, in the pen and see what happens. And nothing happens until this. the storm's rolled in, it's chucking it down rain, thunder and lightning. And um, you've got Tim with his little night, goggle, night vision goggles on. And he's like, oh, where's, where's the goat? Or was it Lex that says that? It's one of the kids. And anyway... I think the, it's Lex. It's Lex. Yeah, because she's the... Uh, the um, the vegetarian, which being in a um, in a situation like that is quite ironic. You see the camera pan up to this big glass window that's on the car, and the, the leg drops, and then you see the T Rex sort of like towering over it with the glass perspex roof. Yeah, he's he's putting the cables down, and he just comes out between the two cars, and he looks at them, and he's like, "Oh, what's this? I've now been put into an environment which is unknown to me. Let's see what happens." I, I I rule the world basically, and um, it's you've got Lex. He's panicking. She's flashing this torch, and the T Rex just goes and batters the car. Not before the the blood sucking lawyer decides to run to the toilet and hide. What I mean, why would you do that? It's a wooden hut, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You've got probably a ton plus of of meat and. Um, of razor sharp teeth running around that ain't gonna hold up against much and sure Ooh, enough no. it does not you get this interesting sequence where Doc Grant's like oh I need to try and save these kids he gets the flare out the notorious flare takes one for the team and he's like hey look over here because obviously the T-Rex can't see anything but movement so he's trying to waver it off and then you get Dr. Malcolm who's like now this is the thing Dan I didn't mention it before I forgot 
Dr. Malcolm did this. Yeah, he also gets out of the car with Flair. He's like, hey, hey, over here. And the T-Rex is like, oh, I'm not interested in Dr. Grant anymore. I know what Dr. Malcolm... Dr. Grant there. basically is calling him an idiot, saying, what are you doing? Like, I've, I've thrown the Flair off the edge of the, the, I think they're on a dam or some high-rise yeah. part of the, 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 the track. And that was going to win it. But as you say, then, um, you know, Malcolm turns up with another Flair and scuppers the plans. And it's all goes... Actually, a bit of a minute detail because he's he says to Doctor Grant, "Go get the kids," and then he's pegging it for this toilet where the blood sucking lawyer is, and then you sort of see him fly through, and then you've got the oh yes, that's how he gets injured. He gets yeah. whacked and, and flown through the air, and and then Rexy looks at the blood sucking lawyer and he's like, mm, "Lunch, toilet snack," and then he gets eaten and he gets plucked. Then he sort of disappears, and then you get. That bit afterwards where the car's in the tree, Tim's still in it, but Lex knocks around of managed to escape unscathed. Poor Timmy. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that is arguably one of the best scenes. I mean, the T-Rex is a character in his own right. When I mean, we talk about the T-Rex and how it's a staple of all the films in all the Jurassic World and Jurassic Park films, actually, in the review we did a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Um, so if you haven't seen the latest Jurassic World uh, the Fallen Kingdom. Have a look at a couple of episodes um, previously because uh, we have done a review where we we um, we wax lyrical on that scene uh, on 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 the character, but also on the film. But um, yeah, it's they haven't changed for me. They haven't changed for you, but it just means that they have obviously um, you know kept with us from uh, from many age to to now. Yeah. Um, but we're we're not the only ones who like this film, are we, Dan? Got a good response on this one when we put the feeling out. What were your f- favourite moments and we've got one from Keir thank you for for texting Keir awesome film I love it his kid loves it too Logan he's massively into all the Jurassic Park Jurassic World films I was 10 when it came out absolutely terrified by the raptors too right it's class the animatronics were amazing second to none and that's the I mean there was a bit of CGI I think when um You've got the at the beginning of the film where you've got the Diplodocus, I think, stomping around in the um, in the open. Yeah. And then you've got the T Rex chasing them. But otherwise, they heavily use animatronics for close-ups. The Velociraptors, the um, uh, Triceratops, that's a little bit poorly. Yeah. Um, and you've got then uh, obviously the T Rex, fantastic. And I don't think you can still today. Do better than 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 that form of of, uh, of filmmaking. I mean, it, it really does bring that kind of element to life. It's not it's not you know two dimensional kind of CGI. Yeah. It's it's a look and feel, and it's moving, and it's your you as a, a viewer believes it's, it's, it's a breathing, living thing, and it's they've done a fantastic job, and it still holds up today. Yeah, uh, another tweet. We got one from Jeffrey. Um, saw Jurassic Park in the movie theaters as a child. And I saw it with my grandmother. So terrifying. I was so glad my grandma was there that day. Couldn't have made it through the movie without her. Kept being terrified and looking away at a bunch of times until I finally started to get used to the tone of the movie. Now look here, Jeffrey. Shout out to your, your grandmother. Because what a cool grandmother taking these Jurassic Park. Yeah, absolutely. I actually... Shout out to, to Jeffrey's grandmother. Totally relatable, actually. I think when I went to see it at the cinema... Back in '93, um, I went with my with my grandmother and my dad. 
So, again, shout out to ill-advised grandparent viewing of, of horror films. Um, but yeah. Um, Thanks, Nan. Th- <laughs> Thanks, Nan. <laughs> um, and then going to, to one on, um, on Instagram, we've got My Name is Carl. Thank you, Carl. Uh, he said, the sound of the Velociraptor makes when he puts his nose against the glass. And, um, I mean, that whole, I mean, we haven't talked about that scene, and that scene is replicated in uh, The Fallen Kingdom, to some extent, it's a nod. Um, it's quality. You know, yeah. the, the whole point that the Velociraptors, yes, they're walking down the stairs, which is it's a, it's a crazy concept in itself, and then it learns to open the doors, and then they're sniffing, and they're hunting the two children in the kitchen, um, and the sounds they make, and the, um, the, the call to each other, the honking. Yeah, the poo, poo. Which is what we hear in the latter films. I think it's um, Jurassic Park three. The I think it's the third one. Where they go back to the island, and they've got this this cast of oh, the bone. And, yes, and they use it as a whistle. Um, yeah, for me, spot on, Carl. It is actually truly terrifying. As a child, that scene is is just so so horrifying. It's 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 cinema gold. A couple more comments from Twitter. So toy hookup. I'm going to the ports of Guildhall. How I don't know how I, how we didn't know about this is beyond me. We missed this one. We're going. I'm going to the ports of Guildhall on the fifth to watch it with a live orchestra playing the soundtrack. As you can imagine, I'm mega excited. Too right. Um, a past event now, but please get in touch and let us know what it was like because I think it would have been incredible to see like an orchestra playing this music. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, do get in contact. We really are interested to hear. Um, what your thoughts were on that, that experience. And then last one, we got Cameron Time Traveller. Are you really a time traveller? Mm. Please let us know. I love that Jurassic Park sort of gets to have its cake and eat it too. You get the beautiful majestic moments with dinosaurs that are so awe-inspiring, but at the same time, it's like, but should you be doing this? Yeah. And the oh. ethics the ethics come out a little bit later on in, in the in the latter films. But yeah, totally spot on. We are, we are in awe. We're seeing something we shouldn't be seeing, but actually should should that be happening and there's lots of philosophical questions underneath that Cameron are you Jeff Goldblum in disguise leave us some thoughts or comments and let us know Um, so I guess my parting question to you Dan before you make a wrap on this absolute blinder of a film is 25 years on from the original does it still hold up today was Uh, it worth the £4.50 that we spent to go and see it at the cinema the other week did you get your money's worth yes or no yes 450 was a bargain. I would have probably even paid a tenner to see that again on, on the big screen. Don't tell Amblin. No. Amblin Entertainment. I don't think they're still around anymore. They've probably been uh, bought out by another uh, uh, producer. But um, 25 years on, I still love it. It's still funny. It's still horrific. <laughs> still has that suspense. I've seen it so many times in 25 years, but seeing it again on the big screen... Yeah, it's wonderful. It's, there's nothing else like Truly it. Truly wonderful. And for me, it, it doesn't really age itself. And I was talking about this to uh, a taxi driver that I had when I was coming back from work um, the other night. Um, if, you, if you watch the film and you think about it, there's no kind of iconic kind of 90s music playing on the radio in the background. You don't, you don't really see them wearing kind of um, 90s clothing because they're, they're wearing jungle gear, yeah. combat gear, um, you know, boots and you know, cropped cropped shirts and the like. 
Um, the only thing that ages it is the Mac computers oh, in the control yeah. center. But but that just adds nostalgia. I don't think it really makes it look that old. So if if I'm looking back at this now for some 2018, 25 years later, I'm thinking, actually, this hasn't this hasn't dated itself really at all. Which again for me just says, you know what, this is a fantastic film. I'm not sure whether Spielberg meant to do it or not, but if you're watching it now, some coming new to, to the film, going back to the original, it's still relatable. You don't feel as though you're someone looking back at it from a different time period, um, socially, technologically or otherwise. You feel as though it, it could be released tomorrow. And for me, that's why this film's so, so good. It has all the constituent parts of a classic film, well-balanced, great characters because they're given the time. You yep. don't have 30-odd characters on your screen. You just have, I'd say, half a dozen or a dozen. Um... For me, it's an absolute blind of a film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you get the chance again, uh, I don't, I don't know whether it was a one-off or whether they'll do it again during the course of 2019, perhaps, depending on the response. Please do get to go and see it because it's an absolute quality film on the big screen, uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope they do the same with The Lost World. Love that film as well. Um, get my Jeff Goldblum fix in, which is always a, a good one to have. Absolutely. But I think that's it for this week. Here's where we're up. I've been Dan. I've been Alex. This is Your Views and Your Podcast. And we'll see you next week.